Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the John and Jonathan Sell NYC podcast. How you doing, bud? Pretty good. Yourself, Jonathan? I'm doing all right. Another week in the, in the hopper of 2021. Well, we're going to do something a little bit different today. Uh, we are going to do an FAQ podcast. So we're going to ask just a couple questions that we get a lot that we have Three to questions. explain a lot. Three questions. Maybe you'll even squeeze in a fourth. Who knows? You always like to surprise. Well, I'll give the three questions. So the first question, we'll use an expression, a French expression, pied à terre. And so what is the, what is a pied à terre? The second question that we get is what, what does it mean when they say the right of first refusal? The other governing body within the context of Manhattan real estate would be a managing agent. So we'll go into a little bit about what a managing agent is. For many years, I used to spell pied incorrectly. And that, that was right. four years I, of French class too. Somebody I was corrected really, you could tell where my grades were. What? Somebody corrected you on that. Who was you that? You did. Yes, many years ago. I said, no, you're wrong. It's this spelling. And then you were correct, as you are most of the time. So pied-à-terre means a foot in the city. And it's a French term that it basically refers to a second home, um, yeah. to a non-primary residency in New York City. Some buildings simply do not like pied-à-terres because if the owner's not there full-time, Who's going to be staying in the apartment? They get concerned about that. And yeah. some buildings they like, they pride themselves on the fact of knowing who the residents are. And so some buildings become very, very restrictive. They don't like having a second home because a clear example, a building which we're working in right now that does permit the pied-à-terre. We had an instance just two weeks ago. The buyer wanted to buy it for the mother to use but wanted to have the kids be able to use the apartment when the mother's not there. That's exactly why a building, shy, some buildings shy away from pied-à-terre. They don't want the apartment to become a revolving door. Because who's gonna take better care of the apartment? Somebody that owns there, lives there full-time, or somebody that's you know buying it for the family it's accountability, it's safety, it's security. There's certainly good reason behind co-ops not allowing uh, a secondary resident. Many times in buildings that are restrictive of pied-à-terres are some of the owners not full-time residents in those buildings. Oh yeah, well once you get into the building, you can do what you want. You know, then there's no policing of because, you know, but the intent is really what is the key. The intent is to use it as a primary residence. And how they police those things is if you are not paying New York City taxes, is this is not your primary residence, uh, primary city now, you know, they, they want to see that you have a, you know, you work in the city. Is there a surefire way to guarantee it? Absolutely not. But they do use logic to say, okay, well, if you own a business in Paris and you have to be there and you don't have a New York office and you don't pay New York City taxes or U.S. taxes, period, you know, it's hard to say, oh, this is what we're doing. Now, if you're opening an office from an overseas, from an overseas company or something like that, okay, then it's explainable. Um, but as is many times the case, it's just a fancy word to, uh, that we stole from someplace else to use that sounds better than secondary residence or second home. So what about the right of first refusal? 
the right of first refusal is reserved for a condominium's sales process. Um, the only way a condominium can keep a buyer or a transaction to happen, a sales transaction to happen or a rental transaction for that matter, is if they buy it or rent it under the same terms and conditions. For instance, somebody wants to buy the apartment uh, and the apartment, really the market value is $3 million. Somebody goes and tries to sell it to their brother for half a million dollars. The condo could come in, and this is the only reason why it exists. They could come in and say, that is a detrimental uh, sale to, our, to the rest of the condominium owners. And we're going to buy, actually buy it for 500000 and we'll turn around and sell it for $3 million. So that being said, in my career, in my 18 years, I've never seen it utilized. I have heard of some of these more prominent condominiums actually using it as a way to not let somebody purchase in the building. Somebody maybe of questionable background or something like that. I, personally, in our business, we've never had it happen. I've never heard a firsthand account of it happening. So it's not something to really uh, to be concerned about. But as opposed to the co-op process, where it's a board approval, the right of first refusal is, is sort of a, just a backstop for these condominiums. And it rarely ever happens. Correct. And, and uh, we've never seen it. As you were talking, I thought, no, I've never had that experience. The other thing I would say is that when one goes to purchase in a condominium and the transfer package is created, basically the board application submitted to the managing agent, credit is run, and then the package goes to the board of directors of the condominium. So it's distributed. There is what is called a right of first refusal, a waiver. And so the board then is given a period of time, usually up to 30 days where they have to exercise their right of first refusal or they sign over the waiver. And once right. the waiver is signed yeah. over on, then the buyer is free to close on the apartment. So Good. I see, I love when you fill in the things that I forget. Mm -hmm. Well, <laughs> the points I, that I miss. Yeah. I gave you the question so that I could see, get your response first. And then I, I feed off of it. And you come in and fill in. And the then the last, the last question that we have is, well, what is a managing agent? The managing agent is basically the business arm, which manages and which handles the operation of the corporation. All of the transfers, all of the purchases go through the managing agent. The board minutes are held in the with the managing agent. The financials of the building are held with the managing agent. Yeah, they, the way I explain it to people is that they manage the day-to-day -day workings of the building and they act as an advisor to the board. So the board of managers of the building will get together and they make the decision on which management company to hire. And that management company then advises the board on you know, a, a multitude of things. One, like you mentioned, the financials, getting the financials audited, because all, the, all these buildings uh, have to audit their financials, um, advising them on expenses, uh, on renovations. So if they're renovating, a, you know, replacing the boiler or renovating the lobby or doing local law 11 work, which is the facade work or et cetera, um, they help collect bids and sort of they're, they're the, the legs of the board. So it's an important position. They can be extremely frustrating to deal with. 
many times is overworked and underpaid, unfortunately. Um, and they, they have a huge influence because they have to deal with those people, the property managers, which is many times different from uh, the closing agent or the person that handles the applications. There's a, you know, there's a number of, all the buildings do it a little bit differently, but it's an important position. Us having a good relationship with them uh, pays us back tenfold. So we always try to you, do that. You really are at the forefront of that and you've managed over your 18 years plus of selling real estate to really foster those relationships. And they've come back to us, as you've said, tenfold, where you have personal relationships because of the kindness that you've extended to the managing agent. You get a lot further with sugar than vinegar with those managing agents. And you've been able to help Daniel on our team to build the same kind of relationships. A managing agent is an extraordinary extraordinarily important part of any cooperative or condominium in New York City. It can, <clears throat> it can facilitate transactions or it can hinder transactions. And we've had experiences on both sides of the fence. So some really, really big challenges where an unresponsive managing agent on their side, they're overworked and underpaid, or simply that there's just you know, lack of, of uh, follow through or whatever the reasons are. And then on the flip side of things, when a managing agent is really effectively working, they can make our jobs so much easier. So the operative uh, takeaway is be nice to the managing agent. This was a really informative podcast. So we're going to continue with these. How about that? And if so, if anybody out there has specific Definitely. questions, please send them to us. Where do they send them, Jonathan? John and Jonathan sell NYC. You can email it to us. You can, you know, all of the information's in the show notes. Thank you all for watching the John and Jonathan sell NYC podcast. Jonathan, another great week. Thank you all for watching. We'll see you right back here next week. Be healthy, safe, and most of all, remain in gratitude. Good to see you. Good to, good to talk to you, bud, as always. Have I'll a good week. Vista, baby. Oh, boy. <laughs> Thanks for watching or listening to the John and Jonathan Sell NYC podcast. If you want to find us online or sign up to get our monthly and quarterly market stats, comment over to our website, johnandjonathansellnyc.com, or you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and everywhere else with the handle at John and Jonathan Sell NYC. And if you want to grab the show notes, just go to johnandjonathansellnyc.com slash podcast. If this show was entertaining, helpful, or informative, consider telling friends and family or leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. Those are some of the best ways of supporting our efforts, and we would greatly appreciate it. Thanks again for tuning in. We can't wait to share what's coming up next. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast to make sure you don't miss our next episode, and we'll see you next time.